Amen. Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter and the 13th verse says this, And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thy oil. Moses pins these words to Israel. Word of the Lord, if you'll hearken to my commandments and you'll serve me and love me with all your heart and your soul, he said, I'll give you rain in due season. If you'll allow me for just a few moments this morning, I'd love to preach to you from this simple thought, when the rain comes. When the rain comes. Why don't we lift our hands and our voices together one more time. Lord, I love you. We're so thankful for the moving and the ministering of your spirit that has already swept over this sanctuary. We ask you, God, to do whatever you desire and however you desire to do it. For you, O oh God, are the author and the finisher. Lord, you do a good and a perfect work. There is no variableness in you. There is no error. There is no insufficiency. You, O oh God, are all sufficient. You're all powerful and you're all knowing. And we ask you, God, to work in this place however you desire in the name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord one more time as you're being seated. Family vacation. Two words that some people love, maybe some people loathe. I don't know what your personal feelings are about the words family vacation. For some people, it's the most enjoyable time in all of the world. And for other people... It's not. Family vacations, when I was growing up, we were never the family that went to the most desired destinations. In fact, the majority of family vacations that I remember as a child, we ended up in the backwoods of Missouri where you had to be lost to even halfway know where you were. The cities we went to did not make anyone's top ten list of vacation destinations. They didn't make any list anywhere because no one really knew they existed. And for some reason, my parents thought it was a wonderful idea to drag us there every year. I am 33 years old, and I can tell you today that I have never still been to Disney World or land or any other Disney thing. Disney on ice is about as close as it has ever gotten. Gatlinburg, if it occupies the first eight spots on top vacation destinations, then I've been to all eight, if all eight of them are Gatlinburg. There is, however, one family vacation that I will never in my life forget. For some reason, my mother had this terrible, terrible time of, uh, of taking a sleep aid, and she couldn't sleep even after she took a sleep aid, and so she would begin to surf the internet, if that's still even a term. Doom scrolling may be a better term that's more applicable to young people. But she would be searching the internet. Now, I'll never forget, I woke up one morning after she had been on the internet all night long, and she said, I want a vacation. And my first thought was, you got scammed. Because if you win anything online, 
nine out of ten chances it's not real. Just in case you need some public knowledge, public service information, most things you win online, you don't really win. But somehow she actually won a seven-day vacation to Florida. Now, winning is a very loose and interpretive term. It was won, but it came with those 90-minute meetings where they tormented you and showed you everything and talked for hours and tried to sell you something that really wasn't even there. I think they call it timeshares. And so we were the captive of timeshares for 90 minutes. We spent two days in Orlando, two days in Daytona, and then a three-day cruise to the Bahamas. That was the, the experience of our family vacation, and it was wonderful. I think I was in the 11th grade, and we went on this cruise uh, to the Bahamas, and they were going to show us you could take a glass-bottom boat. Anybody ever done that? Glass bottom, it's a window. It's not a full glass bottom. I was totally disappointed when I got in and everyone's huddled around a four-by-four window. And I said, this is not a glass bottom boat. This is a window. False advertisement. So they take you on this glass bottom boat to see Gilligan's Island. And in my mind, that's really neat. And I'm thinking, I'll get to see where they film Gilligan's Island. Little did I know, they are going to give you the full Gilligan experience. We sailed up on our glass window boat. We got off on Gilligan's Island, and I'm thinking, we'll make a little tour. We'll come back. We'll get on the boat, and I'll go eat food. No, they left us on Gilligan's Island for eight hours. I don't know how much island there is to see, but there's not eight hours worth. If you've seen one spot of land and water, you've seen it all. And eight hours later, here we stand looking at water and sand. The same water and sand that I had seen now for the past seven hours. I totally would not have signed up had I known it came with the Gilligan's experience. For those of you who have no idea who Gilligan is, on the front section, Google There is one thing that I learned from this Florida vacation, and it was this. Every day in Florida, it rained. It's almost like clockwork. You could set your watch. I don't know if it was a seasonal thing or if that's how it is every day in Florida. If you're from Florida, let's talk after church and you inform me. But here's the thing. Every day we were there, it rained in Florida. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, every afternoon, it would rain, and it would come a monsoon of a rain, and immediately after about 30 minutes worth, it would go away and act like it never happened. Florida's the most weather bipolar state I've ever seen. It's a great day, it's a monsoon, it's a great day. It was a tragedy. But there's one thing I learned is that every day, it was not a question of if the rain came. It was a fact of when the rain came. It was not a question mark. It was a definite that regardless, if you just continued in that day, rain was going to happen. Can I tell you this morning, the scripture is full of references to rain. More often than not, it's read and preached and reminisced in regard to the storms of life. We readily reference the rains of Noah's day, which brought judgment upon a sinful world. 
We find our minds journeyed to the parable of Matthew when we begin to think of Matthew 7 and 25 and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat on the house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Certainly those rains do come. And we find the foundation of our life tested. We find ourselves standing and rejoicing for the surety of the saving rock in which we build our life on. And certainly we can talk about the rains of the storm seasons of life. And we can testify that we are built on a firm foundation that wavers not in the midst of the winds. And it wanders not in the waters of the rain. But we stand anchored to a surety in Christ Jesus. We reach into the references of the storm-tossed sea on which the disciples would sail, no doubt encountering the wind and the rains until the simple word of a Savior rings out over the storm. And with a simple word, peace be still. Calm is brought into the middle of a storm-tossed sea. Most assuredly, we have all encountered these rains. We've all found ourselves in need of a peace-giving word of a Savior in the midst of the storms of life. Certainly, we've all stood and declared how beautiful it was when the foundation is unshaken by the rains and the winds that arise. How safe and secure we can stand knowing the one who speaks peace is in the bow of our life's vessel. We used to sing an old song. Lauren's here, but I may sing anyway. We used to sing an old song. I know the peace speaker. Here's how it says. I know the peace speaker. Yes, I know him by name. I know the peace speaker. He controls the wind and the waves. When he says peace, be still. They have to obey. Songwriter went on to say, I'm so glad I know the peace speaker. And I know him by name. We have heard about the rains of storms, and the rains of hardship, and the winds that drive us into weary seasons and wandering places. We have found ourselves teaching and preaching and reminiscing of those rains. But can I tell you that if we're not careful, our concept of rain becomes only the rain in the midst of the storm. Only the rain of the trial and the hardship. Only the rain that beats against the house and threatens the very existence of the ship. But if I were to declare to you today there is mention of another rain in the scripture. And it doesn't involve the storm. And it doesn't declare in the midst of the tempest. There is a rain by which comes refreshing and renewing. There is a rain by which comes hope and strength. There is a rain that falls on the lives of men. And it refreshes and renews their soul. Scriptural references of rain are not all tied to storms. In fact, Deuteronomy 11 and 14 says, I will give you rain of your land in due season. The first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in corn and wine and oil. This is not a, a rain 
that is brought about by the storms of life. This is a reign that is instituted by the very promise of God's word, by the very surety of his spirit. This is a reign that falls in the lives of the children of God who walk in obedience to the word, and it brings about fruitfulness, and it brings about corn and oil and wine. Why? Because not every rain is a storm time. Not every rain is a weary season. Sometimes God sends a rain just to bear the fruit that he has desired in you. I hope when you leave this room today, you leave with a new concept of rain, and we're not all weary and wandering and dreading rain. I hope that when you leave this place today, you'll understand that sometimes the rain that you're finding in your life is not the storm, and it's not the wind, but it is the desire of God to bring about fruitfulness and to bear corn and oil and wine in the midst of your life. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 12. Here's what it says about the rain. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure. Doesn't sound like a storm to me. The heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season. And to bless all the works of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations. And thou shalt not borrow. Here. In Deuteronomy, God begins to give glimpse into another rain, rain in a whole different context. It's not the rain of the storm. It's not the rain of judgment. It's not the whirling wind-tossed rains of the sea. But rather, God gives a glimpse into a rain that brings refreshing and fruitfulness, a faithful rain that in its season begins to pass over the lives of those that walk with God. And it does not cause you chaos and calamity, but it brings you into a place of security and serenity, knowing that where you are, he is working to bring provision in that season and in that moment. It's worth noting that in both mentions of Deuteronomy, he does not say if the rain. It is stated when the rain. He does not say if that season. He says in that season. It's not a question of when refreshing will come. Can I declare to you it will happen? It's not a day of questioning if God will renew and refresh and restore. No, let me declare to you we are in a day today of when the rain comes. When you find yourself in the midst of a weary place, rest assured there is a water of refreshing that flows from the house of God. They begin to speak of it in the prophets, but you let me declare to you on this Sunday. There is a water of refreshing that flows in the midst of this house. It's not if the rain. There may be a dry spell in your spirit right now, but stand still. There's a season coming when the rain comes. It's worthy of considering that God As he instructs Moses to pen these words of rain in due season, he's writing to a people who have wandered in a desert. He's writing to people that at one point in their journey, water was coming out of a rock because there was no rain in that moment. They had declared and wondered and questioned if God had brought them to where they were And that they would die of thirst or of hunger. 
But can I declare to you that God has never made an error in directing the steps of men and the season where you sit today is not a mistake or an overlook by God. He has designed a way and he is going to make good on everything that he has promised. It's not if it comes, but it is when it comes. It's worth considering that they have seen nothing for years but a weary wilderness. They've stood proclaiming that this fruitless, barren, baked wilderness is the place where they surely had come to die. In fact, Exodus 17 begins to share the story of where they stood in the midst of thirst. And here Moses smites the rock and water bursts out of it that the people could drink. Can I tell you that even in seasons when it seems the rain is distant, God is not far from you. Even in seasons when it seems refreshing is far from you, God is near to you. And he's able in the midst of the mundane to perform the miraculous, to sustain you until he gets you to where you're going. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't become discouraged. Don't let your faithfulness slip. No, find yourself walking and believing and worshiping and praying. Find yourself in the midst of his word. Why? Because he is faithful who promised. And there's going to be a season when, when the rain comes. These, these are the people who have stood to see and hear the stories of dry seasons where water came from rocks. But yet here the faithful pen of Moses writes to them the word of God. And he says, if you'll hearken and obey and forsake not, I'll send rain in due season. Let me declare to you something that you probably already know. It's not revelatory and it's very elementary. Obedience. Obedience is still the key. Obedience to the voice, the will, and the word of God is still the key. We came into this thing and we believed and we obeyed and we repented and we received. And let me tell you that in dry seasons, what we need to do is simply obey and believe. And finally, we'll find ourselves in a season receiving the rains of refreshing just because it's dry, just because it's weary, just because it's a taxing time in your life does not mean that it's time to deviate. No, he writes to Israel and he said, if you'll obey. If you'll hearken, if you'll walk with me, if you'll love me with your heart and your soul, I'm going to send the rain. Obedience is going to be the thing that drives us. It's the one thing that brought us into this, and it'll be the one thing that sustains us in this. By obedience, where we birthed into the kingdom, and by obedience, will we be sustained in the kingdom. 
It was obedience that brought me to an altar where I repented, that took me to a baptism where sins were remitted. It is obedience that caused me to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And can I tell you, there's nowhere along the way where obedience won't work. There's no situation where obeying the word of God does not work. Why? Because his word is faithful and it's true and every promise sure. There is no variableness nor shadow of turning in him, but it's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. So what are you going to do in the dry season? I'm going to walk with him in the weary wilderness. I'm going to walk with him when I find myself overwhelmed. I'm going to walk with him. Why? Because I have a promise that there's a season when the rain will come. If you won't turn away, if you'll remain faithful, if you'll walk with him and delight in his law, there will be no question. It is a fact when the rain comes. Multiple times he would repeat this very principle. In fact, it leaps from the pages. and I've never seen it until I began studying for this service. For this service is Deuteronomy 32. How beautifully the pen of Moses portrays the rain of refreshing. As he writes, give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Now watch this in verse 2. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain on the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. What is he speaking of here? When he begins to write about the rain and he begins to tie its analogy into doctrine. Can I tell you there's times where what you see won't refresh you. There are times what you hear from the voice around you will not refresh you. But there's never a time where the doctrine doesn't bring refreshing. There's never a time where you rehearse the faithful promises of the Lord King Jesus and it doesn't refresh your soul. There's never a time, a season, a circumstance, or a storm in which you walk and find yourself that you can't pull out the word of God and find refreshing for your soul. Why? Because he said it's my word. It's studying my word. It's the principles of the word. There has a rain. Sometimes in the midst of wilderness and all you see around you is the dry, weary places. Sometimes what you've got to do is you just got to pull it out and you got to say his doctrine. His doctrine is like a rain. I know I'm dry. I know I'm weary. I know I'm getting through it. I know life's been tough, but I'm going to find a little rain to refresh my soul. And right here is where I'm going to find it. He says, let my doctrine drop as the rain. The point of comparison here is not a quickening, fruitifying influence of the rain, but rather it is doctrine as gentle showers that sweep into the lives and the hearts and the minds and prepare it for a season of fruitful growth. Let me stand on a Sunday morning to declare to those who may walk through weary seasons and dry places there's a season when the rain will come. There is a refreshing, there is a restoration 
there is a hope and a strength. I know it's been a barren rambling in the wilderness for some time now but you can rest assured that if you'll continue to walk with him if you'll stay committed to his way you can rest assured that you will stand there and there will be a season when the rain comes the psalmist also speaks of this rain in psalm 68 and 7 he says oh god when thou wentest forth before thy people When thou didst march through the wilderness, the earth shook. The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. But I want you to see verse 9. Thou, O God, didst send a plentiful rain, whereby thou didst confirm thine inheritance when it was weary. I love the wording of the psalmist here. He declares, not if it's weird, but when. Can I tell you, every person in the room is going to walk in a weary season. As much as I would love to be able to declare to you today that weariness only finds its way to a, to a wandering few. No, will, weariness finds itself wielded upon the masses. We've all been there. We've all walked there. We've all been weary. But can I tell you, this is the words of the psalmist. He said, when it was weary, there is a plentiful rain that comes from him. When it was weary, there was rain. Can I tell you, just as he did for Israel, he will do for you. When it is weary, when it is weary, there's a time when the rain will still come. In fact, the psalmist reference here is not about a physical rain at all. And you begin to study this plentiful rain. His reference is reaching back to the weariness of the wilderness. But when he speaks of plentiful rain here, he is not talking of physical rain. He is talking about the provisions of God. The wandering in the wilderness surely was dull and wearisome, especially for those who left Egypt with hope of a quick march and a speedy entrance into a land that flowed with milk and honey. But yet, in the midst of this, the psalmist rehearses about the showers of blessing when he says a plentiful rain. What his mind is recollecting is the manna and the quails and the water from the rock and the protection against the enemy and the victories over nations that were stronger and mightier than they were. What he's referring to here is the weariness of a wilderness but he's referring to a plentiful rain of promise and provision as God would go before them. Let me declare to you on a Sunday morning that that same God who would cause a rain of miraculous miraculous provision in their world is the same God who's guiding your steps, who's guarding his church, who's working in this hour. This is not a season absent of the rain, but there is a time soon coming when the rain comes. Oh, why don't we lift our hands and our voices right now? Oh, 
Let me declare to you, weary saint of God, there is a day coming. It's not absent of rain. There's a season of rain that is coming on the weariness of your mind, on the weariness of your soul, in the dry, barren places where you thought there was no fruit. There is soon to be a day of rain that is coming. Don't you question if you stand in the promise of God and rightly declare when the rain comes. Oh, why don't we lift our hands across this sanctuary right now? There are saints of God who sit here today, weary in mind, weary in spirit, wandering through the barren, dry places, praying for things that it doesn't seem like they've come to pass just yet. You're praying over barren places. You're praying over barren things. And you think, God, I don't know how this is ever going to bear fruit. I don't know how you're ever going to answer this. I don't know how this is going to come to pass. Let me remind you on a Sunday morning that when the rain comes, it's going to bring refreshing. And it's going to restore the fertile, fruitful places that you now see as dry. God is going to breathe life again into dry places and barren seasons. Why? Because it's what happens when the rain comes. The psalmist declares it in this fashion in Psalm 72 and 6. He shall come down like rain. Not he may, not if, he shall. If you'll keep walking, he shall. If you'll keep believing, he shall. If you'll stay faithful, he shall. If you'll lift up your voice again, he shall. If you'll pray again, he shall. I know it's dry, but he shall come down like rain. Or maybe, maybe you prefer it from the poetic words of Ezekiel as he declares it in this fashion. And I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. And I will cause a shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. When the rain comes. Not if. When. In fact, Joel writes of times of refreshing. In fact, it is the second chapter of Joel where he begins to refer to rest and refreshing in the context of the Holy Ghost. He says, for this is the rest wherewith I cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. He's writing about the promise of the Holy Ghost. And so let me reach today for someone who maybe has never experienced the power of the Holy Ghost. Maybe life has been dry and it's been weary and it's been desolate. But can I tell you there is a refreshing rain of the Spirit of God that wants to saturate your life. It is a rain that washes over the dry souls of men and makes it into fertile, fruitful ground. I can tell you that in this house today sits a multitude of people who once looked over the heart of their life and said, oh, it's dry and it's weary and it's barren and decisions and circumstances have left me holding nothing but dry dirt. 
Oh, but how beautiful it is when the waters of the Holy Ghost begin to flow over the hearts of men. And what was barren and fruitless becomes lively and fruitful. What was barren and fruitless becomes a place where the Spirit of God breathes life. If musicians will help me, I'm coming very quickly to a close. I know this is not profound. It's, it's not deep. I didn't even reference Greek or Hebrew, neither of which I speak. It's English, and sometimes not really good that. But if I can declare to you on a Sunday morning, saint of God who've walked into this place wandering in a weary, dry season, hold on. The rain's coming. Hold on. The rain's coming. You've been praying prayers that seemed like they've borne no fruit. Hold on. The rain's coming. And when the rain washes over those prayers that you've prayed, you're going to see it spring forth unto fruitfulness. And God is going to cause it to bear the very thing that he has promised you that it would. I feel a strong moving of the Spirit. Why don't we just lift our hands and our voices together? Come on. Come on, weary mom who's been praying for prodigals. When the rain comes, you think you're praying over a dry field, but when the rain comes, when the Spirit of God begins to sweep, there's going to be fruit in that field. Saint of God who's walked in today weary in mind and in spirit, there is a rain in this house today. There's a rain of refreshing of the Holy Ghost that wants to sweep over your mind that wants to speak peace into your heart, that wants to give strength to you. If you're in this house today and you're in need of a refreshing rain, I would that you would make your way to this front. I would that you would build an altar where you are. Whatever you need to do, there's a rain that's coming. There's a rain that's coming. It's not if, it's when.